Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today I have with me Kate Anthony. She lives in Los Angeles with her son, two pups, and a handful of fish. She is an expert in communication, co-parenting, divorce, and emotional intelligence. She spent the first 30 years of her life as an actor on shows like Sesame Street and Grey's Anatomy is the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide, and created the groundbreaking coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go, which we will definitely get into. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Of course. Now, that was a huge list of things in your bio. Is there anything (laughs) else that you want the listeners to know about you? Because I'm old as dirt. That's why. (laughs) It's a long list because I'm old. No, I mean, really, you know, I'm a certified coach and I've been a coach for the last 10 or 12 years at this point. I don't even know. And so really that's what I, that's what I focus on the coaching and the podcasting and yeah. That's Uh, awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's just get right into it. Let's go. I like to take our guests back in time and talk a little bit about um, those middle school, high school years. So what was life like for you growing up in that time? It was a disaster. (laughs) I mean, truly a disaster. So middle and high school, yeah, it was actually quite, it was actually quite, I I, I joke about it, but it really, I don't know, disaster might be a little, a little uh, intense, but it felt like that. I was um, the only child of a single mom. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in in Manhattan, um, on the Upper West Side, which when I was growing up is not was not what it is now. And I was the scholarship kid at a, at an all girls private school, so I always had that feeling of being like not, you know, uh, not fitting in. And my dad at the time was really pretty absent from my life, especially in middle school and high school years. My dad was not around. Um, And even as I was growing up, he was very inconsistently around. So he was in and out of my life. He was, you know, supposed to show up for weekends to pick me up and he would never show up. He would forget. (laughs) I have a very vivid memory of my mom saying, okay, well, what bar were you in last weekend when you were with him? And looking through the white pages to find the phone number of the bar that we were in the last, so I spent the weekends that I was with him, we were in bars. So I was like, I have earliest memories of being like eight years old, like dancing to a jukebox by myself in a bar down in like Tribeca in New York City, which in the 70s and 80s was not what it is now again like nobody lived there and so I have this memory of like flipping through the white pages and like calling the bar and there's my dad there and having him sort of send a cab or be like tell your mom to put you in a cab and I'll pick you up when you get down here and like again New York seven New York City in the 70s (laughs) 
like if you've ever seen any documentary about what New York City was like in the 70s, like that's insane. So not having not having a dad be present in my life at all. And the inconsistency of it, I think, is the worst part of sort of the expectation. And so, you know, from a very young age, as a child, I think we process those things as being, um, well, if I just try harder and if I'm perfect, then he'll love me, right? If I just maneuver, you know, because, you, you know, as a child in your sort of narcissistic brain that really a child has, right? You think that these things are all about you and that you can somehow control them and you can make them better and it's your fault. And so if you were just different, right? And so that was the foundation really of my, certainly my relationship with men. And, you know, my mother was very, um, very controlling, very narcissistic herself and had a very difficult time allowing me to individuate as I was growing up, right? So every step, you know, and I, and I think that now that I'm a parent and I'm a parent of a teenager, I sort of, I have this understanding that I think motherhood in particular is a series of letting goes, right? And so it's like, you have your baby, it's an infant, and then it starts to explore the world a little bit and you got to let them do it. And then they start to crawl and you let them do it. And then they start to walk and they're falling down, but you let them do it. And as they're teenagers, right, they're, they're increasingly experiencing and exploring the world beyond you. And as mothers, as parents, it's our job to let them do it and always be there to, you know, catch them if they'd fall or help them help pick them up, you know, help them figure out how to get up if they fall. Right. And my mom didn't let me do that. <laughs> so it took a long time for me to learn how to do that for myself. Um, so there's a lot of rebelling. There was a lot of early, um, early acting out, early sexual experiences. I mean, it was, like I said, it was, it was sort of a, it was a disaster. <laughs> and it was also, you know, I mean, it was just a perfect storm, right. Of absent, um, alcoholic dad and, you know, overbearing mom. Wow. <laughs> You know, and, and it's still, you know, I didn't have the best childhood. My parents divorced uh, when I was 10. And, you know, there's a lot of, of trauma that went with that. And, but it still just amazes me every guest that I have come on and just the similar experiences that people have with their parents. And it's like, wow, like, is it a generational thing? Is it just, I attract those types of people that like, obviously because of the type of show that I, you know, host, or like, right. is that just like, it's kind of the norm for that generation. It's just, it always amazes me as to what the stories that, that people have when they come on. Um, so going through that, how, you know, what was, um, did you go to college? What was college experience like? And I say, did you go? Cause I, I don't think that everybody needs to go to college and I don't, I think it's a, you know, whatever floats your boat is, is whatever works for you. So, you know, did you go to college? How did you make that transition? And, you know, was, did you have that, that rebellion stage still carry into college and did that affect your college career basically and things like that? No. 
It's a great question. Um, it affected my high school career far more because actually in after ninth grade or in ninth grade, they pulled my scholarship fund. There was the eighties and Reagan, and I don't even know what happened, but there was, you know, the economy, something shifted in the economy and they were no longer giving out scholarships. They're giving out loans. And my mom was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to pay that back. <laughs> so I ended up having to leave the, the school that I went to, which was very insular, tiny. There were 600 girls only for kindergarten through 12th grade, tiny school. And then I had to go to public school <laughs> and there were 2,700 kids in four grades and two thirds of them were boys. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I mean, I was a mess. And I also found out later that I had a really extreme hormonal imbalances at the time um, throughout my childhood, which I didn't find out till I think I was in my twenties. So that was like, so I was a mess. And, you know, I remember, I didn't know how to relate to boys other than flirting. And like, you know, that was the only, cause they, cause when you go to an all girls school from like your whole life, the way that you learn to deal with boys, they're, they're, they're chaperoned at dances. Like it's only, it's only for the sake of flirting and p getting a boyfriend. Right. And, well, and I'm sure we'll go into bars with your dad every weekend. That's all you saw was flirting because that's all you do in a bar too. My dad picking up a new woman every weekend. Like, exactly. Right. So as far as I like, that was when that got me in huge trouble. There's one particular story like in high school where um, I was leaving the school. And at the end of the school day at the school that I went to, all of the, uh, everyone just hung out on the block. So it was thousands of people just on in the street they shut it down to traffic like I mean they didn't officially but anyone who lived in the neighborhood knew and as I walked out of the school a whole bunch of boys seniors I was a sophomore seniors came to me came up and they were like you cock tease like and they just swarmed me and like took me down because I had been kind of like flirting with all of them <laughs> And I guess they talked to each other and they were like, what the hell? So ultimately I dropped out of high school and I got my GED. And then I spent a year um, working and I had a job. My mom was like, my mom was my poor mom at that point was just like, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. And then she let me work and I got my GED and, um, and I applied to college. And in that year, I did a lot of partying. I was working full time. I was working at a theater. I was in the theater. I was an actor at the time. I was, you know, so I worked at a theater, but then I would like go out to the neighborhood bar, um, you know, every night. And so I, I did a lot of like drinking and partying and all of that. And then I went to, and then I got into college. I got into, you know, my top choice of school. I had a really good essay and about why I had dropped out. And I was also an actor. So I was an acting major. So like they didn't care about my academics necessarily. And so when I got to college, I was like, okay, and now it's time to work. And of course my freshman year, everyone else who got to college was like, woohoo, now it's time to party. And I was like, oh man, I already did that. So, you know, I ended up graduating cum laude and like, you know, being on track and having a really, really great college experience, except for my freshman boyfriend who was my first um, experience with 
abuse and domestic violence. Um, and he physically assaulted me and raped me. Two separate uh, incidents. So, um, but other than that, college was great. <laughs> other than, you know, the trauma in the first. Other than the assault and the rape, everything was fine. It was great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I, I kind of had that similar of like complex of, you know, always be perfect, always be doing these things. So I didn't party all through high school. I didn't party in college and I became a, my um, career path path was a police officer, like my husband. Mm-hmm. And so I became a police officer and I partied every weekend that I didn't work. And I was like, I'm <laughs> doing this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone should have that experience at some point. And then like, you kind of grow up and you're like, okay, that's not, you know, unless you go down a path of full-blown addiction, in which case it's a terrible idea, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you got into acting and you did, and that was your major and you clearly made a career out of it if you did it for 30 years and. and well, I did it. Well, 30 years, by the way, was because I started when I was three on Sesame Street. Okay. Okay. I was <laughs> when, doing the math. I was like, yep. Yeah. She's had, had to at least be, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was probably more than 30 years, actually, because I was acting. I think I was doing Grey's Anatomy through be my, well, no, probably like 30, 36 or 37. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, you have this trauma here, but then you hear about Hollywood and it being a whole different beast. So how did those two traumas kind of come together and how did that affect you it's I mean it's the same I always say that being being an actor in particular um is exactly the same as being in an abusive relationship exactly the same you are constantly having to prove your worth you're constantly having to prove your uh, you know whether you're skinny enough whether you're hot enough um there's always someone skinnier and hotter um you know around the corner you're completely dispensable um, until you're not and you need to, and you're sort of sucked dry and, you know, used and throw, thrown away. But also it's things like you, you know, for auditioning, right? You go in for auditions. They don't, they don't tell you whether you didn't get, if you didn't get the job, right? So you literally don't, it's, it's ghosting. You're, you're just ghosted. you there's an expectation of being ghosted and rejected by ghosting sometimes up to 50, 60 times a week. So, you know, if you're like in, if you're in it, like at my highest, my peak, I was auditioning, you know, three, four times a day, you book, you know, 1% of the jobs that you audition for. And so they don't call you and say, oh, thank you so much, but she wasn't quite right because, you know, whatever, we were just looking for this or she was amazing. She was great, but it's not right. We love her work. They don't tell you that. They only tell you if they want you. So imagine, so of course it was exactly the same. You know, we get into, I love that you start this show by asking what your childhood was and what the trauma was because it completely informs all your future relationships, including very often your career choice. So I think it's absolutely no coincidence that I ended up as an actor. I mean, okay, I grew up in the theater, but it's no coincidence that I, you know, that I ended up being an actor because, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up in the theater and my parents were actors, but it's also, you know, had I had 
a very strong sense of self, I would have experienced that for five minutes and been like, hell no. Right. Hell no. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's, and you know, all these stories are coming out about Hollywood and just how they treat people and, you know, just the way that everything happens and it's oh, absolutely the me too are you kidding me like all of these women get having to give away their power and like harvey weinstein oh i can't say anything i can't actually talk about being sexually assaulted because i will lose my entire standing my entire career and the people who did they you know those those repercussions are real yeah and then you look at the we're going off on a different path, but it's okay. But then you look at like the Johnny Depp situation where it's like, now that you're a man and you're being abused and you're in the spotlight, it's completely different. It's, well, why didn't you stand up for yourself? Why didn't you, this isn't real. This isn't, and it's, 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 it's funny, but it's not funny because as women for the last, I don't know how many years we've been begging people to just believe us, just believe that this happened. And then a male comes forward and we're like, nah, it didn't happen. That's not real. Right. I actually haven't followed that Johnny Depp thing. I thought he was, I thought he did the abusing. I didn't follow that. Yeah. So right. This whole thing came out where she, he, he like alluded to it or he showed up to some event with bruises. And so, but then she came out and tried to say that he did it. And then he just threw out all this proof and was like, no, actually I'm the one being abused. And they, the entire world turned it around on him. He's like, he can't book gigs. He can't do anything, even though he had all of the proof <gasps> stating that he was the one being abused. Oh my God. I need to look this up because I had no idea. Yeah. Right. And it's, Crazy. and that's, yeah. And it's right. And it, and it's when it happens to men, right. And it does, it does happen to men and it, it more often happens to women, but it doesn't mean, right? It's, but it is the same thing, right? We don't believe it. It's the, because, and you're right. Why didn't you just leave? Because it's not about physical strength or the physical ability to go. It's about the mental control. I was watching the, um, have you followed the Nexium? Ooh, it's a cult, cult thing. So there's a, there's this, cult that was just taken down and the the cult leader was uh just sentenced to like 120 years and i mean it was like sex trafficking all sorts of stuff and it's really worth watching the documentaries and there's one on um stars right now called seduced and in it they, they talk about this girl who was held captive in air quotes for two years in an unlocked bedroom So the door was not locked. She could have left at any time, but she didn't think she could leave and she knew it was unlocked, but she, and I think that is so emblematic of the entire issue, right? Why don't they leave? She could have walked and people are like, she could have walked out the door. And even he said, the door wasn't, the door wasn't locked. She chose, she chose to stay. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. It's coercive control. And that's where all domestic violence begins. All of it, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional or financial, it all begins with coercive control to the point where you think you can't walk out of an unlocked bedroom. Yep, exactly. And that's, that is the number one thing is control and the physical abuse isn't there just to 
have physical abuse. It's all control. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.